From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. I'm just delighted to introduce you today to a friend of many years, Steve Largent. You may already know a lot about Steve. He's led an incredible life. As one of the originals, he played for the Seahawks for 14 years, becoming one of the best all-time wide receivers ever. He is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he served over seven years as a member of the United States Congress before entering the private sector. You may even know something about the depth of this man's faith in Jesus and his passionate love for his wife, Terry, and family. But what you might not know is the depth of pain that Steve experienced growing up. So today, he's going to share some of that story with us and the story of God's healing hand in it all. So welcome, Steve. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, thanks so much for taking time to to be with us and share your story. I feel like I need to tell you to come out of the closet. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So I record in my closet. That's the joke. (laughs) That's great. I I was looking at pictures of us the other day um, from way back in the 70s. Our families, when we were, we were babies. Yeah. We were so young and just figuring out marriage and raising kids. And it's just fun looking back at those old pictures. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder, how did we figure it all out? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anyway, how about if we start with you telling us a little bit about your life and family now? What does that look like now? My family now? Well, uh, we, Terry and I had four kids, uh, three boys, one girl, and uh, we now have 10 grandkids. Oh my gosh. All of our kids have gotten married, and uh, so uh, it, it's really exciting. We have seven of them that live here in Tulsa, where we live, and then three are in Seattle. Uh, my oldest son, Kyle, uh, moved with his work about uh, two years ago, and he lives in Seattle now. So that gives us an even greater uh, incentive to come back to Seattle to see our granddaughters. I love it. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, so we're still, connect- we're still connected in Seattle. We're still connected here in Tulsa. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it is great fun. We have a, uh, I'll tell you one story. We have a, uh, a weekly family dinner night over here at our house. Of course, Kyle and his wife and three girls can't come. They're in Seattle, but all the rest mm. of the uh, families come and uh, we have dinner right here at our house. And it is a raucous time Wow! Uh, with you know, food and toys and everything going all over the place. And we just have a great time with our uh, kids and with their, their kids, our grandchildren. That uh, is so have, cool. Uh, yeah, we have uh, grandkids from the ages of 15 is the oldest mm. down to two. Oh so, my uh, six, six girls and four boys right now. What a blast. It is. That's so cool. And didn't you guys do some kind of a um, grandkids camp or something? Yeah, we've, we've had it now for about four or five years. Um, and we call it Camp Largent. Yeah. And so Terry and I, but an emphasis on Terry, uh, does a lot of the planning. And uh, we have our grandkids at our house uh, for about four or five days. And uh, we'll take them swimming, we take them fishing, we take them uh, to uh, the uh, parks, and uh, we just have a great time talking about Jesus and talking about their lives and uh, where they're going and all that stuff, and and just have a great, fun time. 
that is what a great thing to do. That's a great idea to share. So you have raised a beautiful family and, um, and, and they've had an amazing childhood and your grandkids are having an amazing childhood, but your childhood was um, pretty tough. Would you share what that was like? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it, it, my, my childhood was not anything that you'd wish on any of my grandchildren for sure, but uh, any kids. Uh, yeah, my mom and uh, dad were uh, divorced when I was six years old. Uh, I was in first grade. And uh, uh, so that was a, the, the first of a very traumatic experience for me, uh, seeing my dad walk off and leave. And I can still remember one story from that where uh, my parents were in a bitter, uh, in the process of a bitter divorce. And uh, we had a, uh, there was a meeting of some kind gathering at my dad's um, sister's house and her husband. And I can remember my uncle coming to me. I was six years old. I was playing out in the front yard. He said, hey, Steve, he said, I want you to come in here and you, you just got to tell your dad not to leave. And I'm, I was like, what? <laughs> my dad's going to leave? And um, it, was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a very traumatic experience for me and my whole family. We, I had two younger brothers at that time. And uh, my dad was uh, kind of an itinerant salesman, uh, traveling salesman. Uh, he'd been in the Marine Corps, served in Korea, uh, came back and uh, got some kind of a job where he was selling something. I don't know what it was. I was six years old, but uh, he uh, uh, had a, an affair or two, uh, and uh, and my mom just thought it was the end, and so she um, ended up seeking a divorce and and got a divorce, and uh, that kind of launched me into a you know kind of a a a time of uh, disruption, I would say, from the time I was six till I was about nine or ten years old. Then my mom remarried, um, and we, we we actually moved from uh, from uh, Tulsa to Oklahoma City. Uh, her parents were in Oklahoma City, and we moved there for her for for her to get support for her all of her boys. And uh, so we we lived in Oklahoma City, and my mom had to, had to get a job working, and uh, and she was trying to support us. And she ended up finding a, a guy that she kind of liked, and they ended up getting married. And it turns out that he was a chronic alcoholic. I uh, was an engineer uh, out at uh, one of the air for, in, in, for the military. Mm. And um, so that was that was another traumatic experience. Uh, and that lasted longer, uh, probably 10 or 12 years. Uh, wow. that they were still married and he was still drinking. And uh, it was just just not a good situation for me or my younger brothers. Ended up having another brother, uh, a half brother. Mm. Uh, and he was uh, definitely impacted by uh, all the stuff he was thinking of. By the time my stepfather uh, and, and mother were trying to figure things out, I went to, I went to college. I, I graduated high school, uh, fortunately got a degree to go to the University of Tulsa. Uh, I don't think I ever would have gotten to go to school, much less go to Tulsa uh, University had I not had a scholarship to play football. Wow. Wow. Uh, but I, I found that I played football a lot uh, for the um, ability to uh, vent my anger uh, oh, from wow. all the stuff that was going on in my house. Uh, football was a great avenue to vent 
that anger that was was boiling inside of me. And uh, there were a lot of guys at school that I played football with that probably didn't know anything about that, uh, but I knew it. And, uh, and I, I felt that sort of anger and uh, I wouldn't call it hatred, but anger for sure, uh, just welling up inside of me. And, uh, and, and so football was a great avenue for me to uh, vent that. Um, yeah, wow. So. Wow. Well, it must've been really painful growing up without really a father. And uh, how, how did you come to faith? And in growing up fatherless, um, how did that impact your understanding of God the Father? Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, I started going to Young Life when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, mainly because it was a great place to hang out with your friends and buddies. And uh, you sang some songs and goofed off and did funny skits and uh, heard a little message from a guy. And uh, that guy happened to be a guy named Scott Manley. And uh, Scott, uh, just I don't know why, but he, he, he took a liking to me. And in fact, he uh, came up to school one day and you could do this back, back when I was in high school. Right. Yeah. And said, hey, let's go to lunch. And so I jumped in his car and we drove to McDonald's and got a hamburger and a, a Coke and some French fries. And he just started talking to me about my life and uh, what, what he was doing in Young Life and uh, why he was doing Young Life. And uh, it just really... Uh, took the whole Young Life experience for me, took it to another level. And um, I, I really appreciated uh, Scott taking me to lunch, number one, uh, but number two, sharing his life and, and story with me. And so I started continuing going to Young Life and, and started listening to what he was saying, actually. And uh, it really made an impact on my life. But uh, it all culminated uh, because there was a, a, a revival, a gentleman had a revival in, in Oklahoma City, uh, and I went to that revival, and his message was just uh, very simple, and it was that uh, God loves you, and he has a plan for your life, and, uh, and, and he, he, uh, he really wants uh, to know you and, and for you to know him, and uh, it was really not much more complicated than that. And I knew that I had never made a decision for Jesus. And so I, I, I walked forward. I, I stepped across the feet of my friends that I'd gone to this uh, revival with, uh, all wearing our letter jackets and so forth, and made it out to the island, walked to the front and invited Christ in my life. It was uh, that simple, uh, but that profound for me, mm -hmm. uh, because I wouldn't say that there was a huge uh, difference between the Steve that walked into that revival and the Steve that walked out. But over time, the Lord kept speaking to me and working in my life. And, and uh, uh, I kept, you know, seeking him and, and going to Bible studies then at fellowship, uh, at, at, uh, with Fellowship of Christian Athletes or with Young Life with Scott. And uh, it just started, uh, the light, light bulb came on in my life. And, uh, and, and that really uh, was the beginning of a different course for my life to take. Uh, not necessarily football or anything related to that, but just with uh, my relationship with the Lord and uh, Jesus and, uh, and, and having a relationship, a firm relationship with him. Well, so it was, you grew up without your dad and he, you remember as a six-year-old him walking away. And when did you see him again? Well, um, I saw him one time when I was in high school. That's from the time I was six to the time I was in high school. And at that time, um, 
I think it was my senior year. It was my senior year. Uh, he came to a football game and uh, he left a letter for me to receive uh, after that game. And I opened it up and there was a hundred dollar bill there. And I'd never seen a hundred dollar bill before. Wow. He gave me a hundred dollars and left. He never stayed, stayed around. I never saw him uh, wow. or anything like that. Um, huh. But uh, that was probably the, the, uh, not the last time that I saw my dad, but the first time I'd seen him in years. Uh, and uh, so, and, and there was no contact information or anything like that in that letter. So he just left me a hundred dollars and left. And uh, so then, uh, then when I started playing in the NFL, played in Seattle, uh, he was living in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And uh, he called me and said, Hey, I'd like to come to your game. Uh, can I get some tickets? And so, uh, and that was a repeating uh, uh, ask of him uh, several years that I played and played in Philadelphia. Uh, but he, you know, he, he wanted to come to the game and, you know, I, I really had mixed emotions about it, but Terry was the one that really convinced me that, no, I should, I should try to move forward and try to be reconciled with my dad, regardless of, uh, you know, what he had done or what was happening. And so I did that. I, I reached out, reached back to him and got him tickets to the game and uh, met him uh, before the game. And then, uh, you know, like the, the night before the game. And then the, uh, the after the game, he came uh, to meet me by the bus. And uh, we talked, I met his new wife and his kids. And we started forming a little bit of a relationship. Uh, it was it was difficult, uh, but we started forming a little bit of a relationship. And he came to more games that I played on the East Coast. and. Um, and so, but that was about the end of our, I mean, not the end of our relationship, but that was the, the, uh, extent that was the most our relationship ever got to. Uh, and then, you know, I, uh, over time I retired and we moved back to Oklahoma and, um, I, I, then I was in Congress and I started meeting with some guys talking about, uh, what it means to be reconciled with somebody and how that, that means you, uh, are willing to forgive them and forget what they've done. And, uh, and I was really encouraged by those guys to try to be reconciled to my dad. And so it just so happened, and this is how the Lord works. It just so happened that my dad had gotten another divorce, his third divorce, moved from Pennsylvania, guess where, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he was living about a mile and a half away from where I was living. I didn't know it. Uh, and I don't even know how long he was living there. But uh, he was by himself again. And, uh, and so I just decided to call him up and take him to breakfast and have a conversation with him. And so I did that and we met a little, a little place in between, uh, my house and his, and we had a long conversation and I just told him, I said, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what happened with you and my mom. I don't know what happened with you and any of the ladies that you've married. Uh, but I just want you to know that I forgive you. Uh, and I want to be reconciled with you. And, um, and I can tell you that I love you. Hmm. And that was really hard to do. Uh, I really hard to do. But uh, I did that. And he started crying at, on the at, opposite the table that I was, I was sitting with him at, at. And he started crying and he told me he loved me too. And uh, that he was so sorry for all the things he'd done. And uh, it, it seemed like there was a, a real connection between him and me. And, uh, and so I, I, I was really hoping that uh, it was the beginning of a, a new, create, new, new, new relationship. 
Yeah. So uh, he started, you know, talking about coming to games that our kids were playing and going to baseball games and so forth. And he was, like I said, he was living a mile and a half away from my house. And uh, so we would send him schedules of our kids where they were playing baseball or whatever they were doing. And, you know, he never came. He never came wow. to those games. Wow. Um, you know, I still tried to carry on a relationship with him, but I, I was really disappointed that he didn't right. take the offer. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was embarrassed or you know, what the deal was, but uh, huh. it turned out that about uh, two, maybe two years, maybe three years after he moved back to Tulsa, I was serving in Congress going back and forth uh, between Tulsa and, and Washington, D.C., but uh, I got a call from the hospital, and they said, hey, Steve, your dad's had a heart attack, and you need to get up here right away. Wow. I, I, the hospital literally was within a mile of my house, and I, I raced up there and, and uh, saw my dad. He had tubes coming out of his mouth and stuff like that. And the doctor told, told me before I walked into the room that my dad had a serious heart attack and uh, that he insisted that the doctor not revive him if he had another heart attack. And um, wow. so I walked into this room and there's my dad. And, you know, I just hugged him and told him I loved him. And uh, about that time, literally, I, I just walked into his room and not five minutes later, he had another heart attack. And uh, so they rushed me out of the room and the doctors came in, they work on him, work on him, and they revived him. And my dad got so mad at, after they revived him a second time that they had revived him and kept him alive because he didn't want to live. He, he hmm. did not want to live. Hmm. And uh, so that was kind of disheartening to hear that, that, uh, you know, here my dad... He had multiple children with multiple wives, but he didn't love any of us enough to stay uh, around. Uh, but uh, what happened was that uh, shortly after his second heart attack that I was rushed out of the room for, uh, I told him I loved him. The doctors were in there working on him and stuff. And I said, I'm just going to step outside. He had another heart attack, his third one, and wow. he left, uh, right there. And uh, so... You know that was that was kind of the end of a sad life uh, for him, and uh, and and kind of a uh, a rough ending uh, for me and all the hopes that I had to, you know, be reconciled with him and, and we were reconciled, but to uh, have a, a deeper relationship than we ended up having. Yeah. Uh, his death. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that is a that's a painful story. There's another piece to it that you, I think you shared one time with us about your choice, which just blew me away to ask his forgiveness. Yeah, it, it you know, that's um, the guys I was meeting with in Washington, D.C. Most of them were members of Congress. One of them was a guy named Marty Sherman, who works with the fellowship, still works there with the fellowship, um, had really encouraged me to reconcile with my dad. And to do that, not so much for my dad's benefit, but to do it for my benefit, mm -hmm. to because they felt like that that was a burden that I had been carrying in my life, and of course it was. I mean, I yeah. talked about you know the hatred that I had, or, or bitterness at least yeah. uh, that I had because my father had left us, and um, and and I'd been carrying it my whole life, mm -hmm. uh, and so you know that's that's what they they really encouraged me to. Um, to reconcile with him and, and to uh, form a deeper relationship with him. And that's what I really attempted to do. Yeah. Um, and, and I felt like that I, I, I know that I don't know what it did in his life, 
but I know in my life, it was like someone took weights off of my shoulders and uh, set me free. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, um, it's, it's such a painful story and I'm sure that there are are so many people um, listening who are in a position of having someone who has hurt them that deeply. And yeah, for sure. There's no question. I, as I've shared my story around the country, I, I meet all, all t- kinds of people that uh, yeah. share a similar story or it's with a husband or a wife or uh, maybe it's a father and his son or daughter uh, turns yeah. against them. Uh, but I've met a lot of people uh, that uh, share the bitterness that I had in my life and have also um, taken the step to try to be reconciled. Uh, with their husband or wife or son or daughter, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it's, it, it definitely, um, it, it's all from the Lord. It wasn't me speaking to them. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Wow. I, you know, I've, I've um, learned a lot along the way too. And, and one of the things that, that has really helped me is to think in terms of forgiveness is, is that it's like what you just said. It's like a, lifting of a wrong put on us and handing it to Jesus and letting go of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, it, and it is not saying that what somebody did is okay. It's not even, we're not even able, you know, to really forget what happened, but it's a choice of, uh, giving it, t- cutting it off of us and giving it away to the Lord and right. choosing forgiveness yeah yeah that's exactly what it is yeah, uh, and, yeah. and you say it much better than i did but uh that that's you know you, you got to give it to jesus and yeah. um yeah. and I, I i just know that as i went through this process of uh giving it to jesus that that he, he took the weight off my shoulders yeah yeah uh, and and i can tell you that in in that situation it was almost immediate that after i had that conversation with my dad I, I, I felt free at that yeah. time. Yeah, that's amazing. And did you ever have any conversations with him about faith? Do you have any? Um, I, I did, and uh, they, they didn't really go anywhere. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I still don't know to this day uh, if he knew the Lord or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was difficult to talk to an, uh, an old uh, Marine Corps veteran, uh, about, about his faith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that he, that did know the love of the Lord and that was through you, how you gave that to him. So that's a beautiful, oh, I hope so. yeah. Hmm. Oof. Well, um, what there, I, like I was saying, there's, I'm sure there's so many people who, and especially in this time that we're in of COVID that are, um, I've been reading a lot that there are, is more um, more abuse going on in homes. There's more uh, divorce is increasing. So there's a lot of forgiving that needs to be done right now. And then not 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 only I mean that, but then you think of the bigger societal issues right now of racial reconciliation that needs to happen, and um, so many things. So we need to learn how to do this and if there was like just a first step that you could leave our listeners with, if they're in a place of needing to choose forgiveness, what, what would you 
offer like as a, a step to take? Well, I think, as I said, that um, the thing that's uh, amazing, uh, really miraculous about uh, forgiveness is that even if you're the person that's been hurt in the relationship, if you can find it in your heart to forgive the person that's hurt you, mm-hmm. um, and even to make the first step, mm-hmm. uh, that, that that can release this burden that's on your shoulders. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that never, that never crossed my mind yeah. is that I always thought, hey, my dad was the one that left. He's the mean guy. He's the one that needs to ask me to forgive him. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't it at all. It yeah. was, it was, I mean, I, I still felt like that my dad owed me a, to, to ask me to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he sort of did that in the restaurant that we met with, met at. But, you know, for me, it was all about, you know, getting the burden off of my chest and, 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 for, and, and being, big, being a big enough man to say, I'm sorry. And yeah. will you forgive me uh, for the, you know, bitterness that I've had towards you for so many years? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that, that, was, that was the issue and that was the step that I'd never considered taking until these guys in Washington, D.C. and the Lord really mm-hmm. spoke to my heart about doing that. And I, I'm sure that you have a lot of listeners, Karen, that may be in the same situation. And all I can tell you is that uh, if, if they're willing to trust the Lord and to take that first step, uh, that they can be well on their way of taking huge burdens off of their life and off their heart and off their mind um, by, by doing that. Yeah, wow. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us because I'm sure that it will encourage others to take that step, that first step of choosing to give whatever it is that is waiting on someone and take it, cut it off, give it to Jesus and trust him with that stuff and with the other person who caused the harm. Exactly. Because, that's the because, whole, that's the whole picture of reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your Thank story you, Kara. today. And Enjoy uh, talking to you in your closet. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. <laughs> okay. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the take root podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.